to Matthew 19. We are glad that you are here. We are glad that you're visiting with us today. Those who are visiting, we have been preaching through the Gospel of Matthew. And we find our way in this text, in Matthew 19, where this question is asked. Is it lawful to divorce for any reason at all? This subject is discussed here. There are other passages, Mark 10, 1 through 12, which gives basically another account of this. It's dealt with earlier in Matthew and briefly in Luke 16, verse 18. But we're going to read this text. If you are not able to, it's understandable. But if you would, I would like to ask you to, to stand as we read Matthew 12, Matthew 19, 1 through 12. When Jesus had finished these words, he departed from Galilee and came to the region of Judea beyond the Jordan. And large crowds followed him, and he healed them there. Some Pharisees came to Jesus, testing him and asking, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any reason at all? And he answered and said, Have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female? And said, For this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. And what therefore God has joined together, man is not to separate. They said to him, why then did Moses command to give her a certificate of divorce and to send her away? He said to them, because of your hardness of heart, Moses permitted you to divorce your wives, but from the beginning it has not been this way. And I say to you, whoever divorces his wife, except for immorality, and marries another, another woman commits adultery. The disciples said to him, If the relationship of the man with his wife is like this, it is better not to marry. But he said to them, not all men can accept this statement, but only those to whom it is given. For there are eunuchs who were born that way. And there are... They're born that way from their mother's womb. And there are eunuchs who have made themselves, who have been made eunuchs by men. And there are also eunuchs who have made themselves eunuchs for the sake of the kingdom of heaven. He who is able to accept this, let him accept it. Thank you for standing. You're welcome to sit down. In this passage, Jesus deals with a lot of what our society would consider hot-button issues. In our lesson, if you are struggling with any of these things that we mention, our efforts are not to mock or ridicule or to make fun. We will not be doing that. But at the same time, we're not apologizing for anything Jesus said. 
For what Jesus said is what the world needs to hear. And what those who are wrestling with some of these things need to hear. So we speak without ridicule or malice or apology. Simply try to see what he says and try to live it. The Bible tells us Jesus departed from Galilee in verse 1. This is the last time that Jesus is in Galilee till his resurrection. He is going to make his way down to Jerusalem where he has told us in Matthew 16 verse 21 he is going to be crucified. Large crowds are following Jesus. Large crowds are following him and he is healing them. The Pharisees come to him with a question. We haven't seen the Pharisees since Matthew 16. But Jesus warned them in that particular passage. He warned the disciples not to be influenced by the leaven of the Pharisees or Sadducees. So it may lead us to expect a hostile question. And indeed the Bible tells us they came to Jesus with this question. Testing him. Tempting him. Maybe not so much interested in what he has to say, but seeking simply to find some ground against it. There were Jewish debates on this question. What was the proper ground of divorce? Some said, some schools of thought said, only if your wife is unfaithful, sexually immoral, are you allowed to put her away. Others said, you can marry again for any reason. You can marry again if you simply find someone that is more fair than your wife. Or, as was said, and is often used in illustrations, if she burns the bread. Which of those is right? Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any reason at all? Jesus, in his answer, goes back to the beginning. He goes back to the start of it all. Have you not read that he who made them, made them male and female? And for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife, and they're no longer two but one flesh. And what God is joined together, man is not to separate. I want you to notice what he states in verse 4. God made them male and female. What about people with some type of a birth defect? They're included in verse 12. But God made them male and female. If a few years ago 
I ask you how many genders there were. No one would have staggered at the answer. God created us, male and female. These are the two great divisions of the human race. And I am thankful that God made us this way. If you are struggling, thinking that life would be easier for you, if you were the opposite sex, what a lot of people who have done that have found is when they go through the experience, they're still facing the same kind of problems, same kind of difficulty. It doesn't answer their greatest needs and their greatest hardships. God created them, male and female. Now, as serious of a problem as it is, that that is not even accepted in culture today. It points to a deeper problem. It points to a problem in culture where we are letting our subjective feelings trump objective facts. God created them, male and female. And God said, for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Now these are quotations from Genesis 1, 27. God created man, male and female. Genesis 2, 24, that a man leaves his father and mother and cleaves to his wife, and they are no longer two, but one flesh. Many years ago, around 400 AD, as a matter of fact, a preacher by the name of John Chrysostom said if God had supremely intended solitary life, he would have created humans one by one. If God intended polygamous life, God would have created one man and several women. Matter of fact, this passage, even before Jesus, was used as an argument for monogamy by those who wrote the Dead Sea Scrolls. They appealed to the same verse as proof that you should only have one wife. We could add to Christensen's statement, if God intended homosexual life, he could have created two men or two women as sexual partners. But God intended monogamous, heterosexual life. One man for one woman. Now, when people say that Jesus did not speak about this subject, Jesus did not speak about homosexuality. If there was a question, the question that's being asked about homosexuality, 
or homosexual marriage. And that verse was simply quoted. Would they, would the people that heard take that as a statement? Would they understand what you're getting at? Would they understand the point? Let me illustrate it this way. There was a Greek soccer player who in the midst of a discussion about same-sex marriage and gender transition surgeries on children quoted this verse and was sentenced to 10 miles in prison. But they understood what he said, didn't they? Jesus did speak on this subject. Jesus did. And God did in creation, not even looking at the statements of Paul in his epistles. God said marriage was to be between a man and a woman. Have you not read? That he made them in the beginning, made them male and female. And God said, he's answering the question about divorce. God said, a man shall leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife. And they're no longer two, but one flesh. And what God has joined together, man is not to separate. The word join together, attach. It is the word used of the prodigal son who finds someone, uh, the, finds someone uh, who has swine. He attaches himself to him and gets a job feeding swine. He, he's, he, he glues himself to him. He associates with him not wanting to lose that particular job. And the Bible tells us that this happens in marriage. In marriage, they are no longer two, but one flesh. And what God has joined together, there's a very real sense in which every legitimate marriage ceremony is preached by God and performed by God. What God has joined together. Let no man separate. Let no man separate. I read this comment this week. The current acceptance of the divorce is a surrender to human failure. Now I'll tell you what caught my attention about that quote. What caught my attention about that quote is I had basically seen that quote several weeks ago. By some Hollywood celebrity who was married to another Hollywood celebrity. Now don't ask me why I read it because I have no idea. But he was talking about their divorce and he said divorce 
is an acknowledgement of failure. And I'm embarrassed. And, and so when I read that statement this week from someone who's looking at this text, it sparked my mind that a lot of people are coming to that conclusion who aren't starting from the premise that we're going to listen to everything that Jesus said. What God has joined together, man is not to separate. Now, the Pharisees questioned Jesus. If you look at this account in Mark, in Mark chapter 10, some of the way it's worded is a, is a little different. Uh, Jesus asked them a question first, they answer, but, but, but they both end up saying the same things. But the Pharisees question here in verse 7, why did Moses command to give her a certificate of divorce? Why did Moses command this? And he said, Moses permitted you to divorce your wives. The passage under discussion is Deuteronomy 24, verses 1 through 4. Deuteronomy 24 was not encouraging divorce. Deuteronomy 24 was trying to regulate a bad practice. Deuteronomy 24, if you look at it closely, the first three verses simply set up the circumstance. They set up the circumstance under which verse applies. It was not to encourage divorce. It was not to promote divorce. It was to regulate a bad practice. They are making a mistake in making Deuteronomy 24 the beginning point of this discussion. The beginning point instead of Genesis 2. God's beginning point was in the beginning, he made them, male and female. And Jesus said, because of the hardness of your heart, you were permitted to divorce your wives from the beginning. It has not been this way. Whoever divorces his wife, except for immorality, I don't know if immorality is a good translation. Fornication, adultery, and marries another, commits adultery. What God intended for marriage is not found in Deuteronomy 24. That regulates their practice. The opponents treated marriage as a contract that could be counseled at will, creator intended to be a lifetime commitment, which took precedent over all situations. Over all relationships. God intends marriage to be permanent. It was a little less than a year ago. I was on a plane trip. It was on an airline that had 
open seating. And I saw an empty seat, right on the second or third row. And as I asked to sit there, they were very kind, they were very gracious. I noticed something from the beginning. There was something awkward that I couldn't put my finger on about how the lady against the window was sitting. There's something awkward about it. But we sit down. She says, you're a preacher. I said, yes, ma'am. We, we started talking. She was very open. She was very friendly. She was very quick with the details of her life. She said in 1992, 30 years before, she said, I had been given just a few weeks to live and was put on hospice care. Given a few weeks to live and put on hospice care for cancer. And she overcame cancer. She beat it. She said in 2009, the cancer came back. And she said, I beat it again. By God's mercy, God's grace. She was continually thanking God in the conversation. Always giving him credit. But she said, they had to take my right arm. And I look back and I realize the reason that something looked awkward is the way she was kind of pinned to the window of the airplane. She said, after 35 years of marriage, my husband left another room. Now honestly, I have tried to place together if that 35 years was right before 2009 or right afterwards. I can't remember for sure. I think it was around the same time. But, but this woman is being very open with me. She, is, she was extremely kind. Very open, telling me all these stories. And so I said, I want to ask you something. I said, do not feel obligated to answer if you don't want to. But I said, let me ask you a question. Which was more painful? cancer and losing your arm or your husband leaving you for another woman. She answered instantly and she said, by far my husband leaving me was more painful to me than the cancer.
For those of you who are resting in the caves. And wherever others you are, God bless you. None of us wants to hear that news. None of us want to hear any bad health news. But often the greatest pain is not that caused by these dreaded diseases, but what we do to one another. And what we do to those that are closest to us that we have vowed loyalty to. We stand before God and we stand before witnesses and we say, I promise to forsake you for all others, for richer or poor, in sickness and in health, till death do us part. And how many people are broken and shattered because they keep their vows and their partner doesn't. And I want to tell you about this woman too. I just had an intense two-hour discussion with her. So I don't know everything about her, but I have never seen a person in the circumstance she described more pleasant, less bitter. She spoke glowingly of the woman that her husband left her for. She was not a bitter person. But she was devastated by his leaving. May God help us to be people who keep our vows who do what we promise, who recognize that God glues together a man and wife in marriage and that it's not to be separated. And if it is separated, there are calamitous Spiritual repercussions. I look at Matthew 19.9. Matthew 19.9 says, I say to you, whoever divorces his wife, except for fornication, and marries another, commits adultery. I want you to notice there's not a word said in that text about whether the man this wife marries has been married before or not. He's bringing the problem to the situation because he has divorced his wife and married another without her committing fornication. As a result, the text tells us 
he commits adultery. Well, what about the one he's divorced improperly? Well, this text doesn't say anything about it, but Matthew 5 does. In Matthew 5, verses 31 and 32, I say to you, whoever sends his wife away, let him give her a certificate of divorce. But I say to you that everyone who divorces his wife, except for the reason of unchastity, makes her commit adultery. And whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. What Matthew 5, 32 says... Not only does the one who divorce and remarry unscripturally, not only does it have calamitous spiritual effects on him, but, but on the wife he divorces, it makes her commit adultery, assuming she's going to marry again. And it tells us whoever marries her commits adultery. Serious consequences. There are people too in this crowd, this audience, and this is true of any size of people who've never married. And I want you to notice Jesus cares about them too and addresses them. When Jesus says in verse 11, not all can accept this statement, he's not talking about verses 3 through 8. He's not taking 3 through 9. He's not taking an eraser and saying, oh, this doesn't apply if you can't really live it. He's applying the statement in verse 10 where the disciples are stunned. The disciples are stunned at this answer. If this is the way it is with a man, with a woman, it's better not to marry. And Jesus said, not all can accept that. But those to whom it's given... 1 Corinthians 7, verse 7, talks about the blessing of women without marriage as a gift. It may be a gift that some did not want. But may God bless those who are eunuchs for the kingdom of God's sake. They are being sexually pure, sexually faithful, having never married. Or being without marriage now. There is a person, a couple of people in the audience today who may know this story better than I do. A man showed up, well dressed, nice suit, gave the appearance of influence and money shows up at a church building for services shows up a couple of weeks in a row the preacher said he kind of scrambled to find out a little bit about who is this person who's visited with us looked into it found out he was a lawyer he was an attorney he also learned, and I don't know exactly how he learned this, but he learned this attorney had been married and divorced four times. After the third or fourth week of the man being there and trying to be cordial with him and just speak to him, Jimmy, the man says, I've got a question for you. What do you believe about divorce and remarriage? He thought to himself, 
This wasn't the order I wanted to bring it up. But he says, you stay after services when you talk about it. He read Matthew 19. And he stated about the same things we have stated this morning. That if you divorce your wife for a reason other than her unfaithfulness, or Mark mentions, if a wife divorces her husband for other reasons than his adultery, that you commit to your wife. You know what the man said? The man said, that's exactly what I thought the Bible said. And I have visited other churches and I have asked them and they're not willing to say that. And so that's why I left and came here struggling the same sex attraction or you're struggling with a difficult marriage or you've been unscripturally divorced say no to sin and submit to him and follow him turn from your sins and repentance baptize in Christ permission of sins just for the Bible says you can be forgiven as we invite you as we stay and sing